Greetings, friends. My name is Weston Nakamura from Blockworks Macro in Tokyo. It's Asia Markets Closed. Welcome to the Market Death Podcast, bringing you global market commentary and analysis from the Asia Pacific trading session so that you know what happened overnight. Okay, so today we are going to take a look at the NASDAQ 100 sell-off in this month of August and how that is being driven out of Asia, specifically China. Before we do that, we're going to go over again how the NDX index basically got up there in the first place for it to sell off from. And indeed, I'm making a call that what we are seeing right now is the top for the NDX, at least for the time being, and is being driven out of market forces out of China. Now, apologies, I... I'm having some technical difficulties with some of my charts and other clips that I want to use to because I was going to originally discuss what's going on with Country Garden, China's largest property developer. You know, once upon a time it was four times more projects and Levergrande and all that. Basically, default risk, halting 10 onshore bonds, becoming a penny stock last week, 50% down month to date, 18% down, you know, on the day, as well as like $3 trillion shadow banking and like trust and wealth management industry. Um, in China. Those things are very important. They're very, very important. Obviously, I wouldn't be even flagging them right now. So I will get back to them. But for today, I'm just going to show you green and red blinking tickers version of the picture of US equity markets, okay, and the sell off that is happening in the US equity markets. And the very general broad thesis is the reason that the NASDAQ is up on the year, spectacularly up on the year is because of Japan equity markets. The reason that it's currently crashing right now is because of China. Okay, very straightforward. I'm going to show you the NDX futures, NASDAQ 100 index futures, price action during Asia trading session. First of all, why did NDX futures suddenly sell off nearly 1% starting around 9.30 a.m. Japan time? Well, let's see what Japan equities were doing. Okay, so here's the Nikkei 225 cash index overlaid in white. And as you can see, at 9 a.m. Japan Cash Equity Open, the Nikkei actually rises for the first half hour of trading. Then at around 9.30 a.m., dollar-yen breaks above 145, and then that triggers a Nikkei sell-off that lasts into a.m. session close and then continues throughout the p.m. session to close at session lows. And as you can see, all the while dragging the NASDAQ down alongside it. Okay, Obviously, the NASDAQ 100 index doesn't care about dollar-yen levels. It's merely moving alongside whatever the Nikkei is doing. Okay, so very that's very simple. Now, how about in the afternoon? Nasdaq futures during the Asia afternoon session, where first of all we get this very sharp drop, but then followed by a recovery rally uh, to the upside. And this sort of like almost like a mini blow off top on volume. What's that all about? First of all, let's shift the time zone back an hour and set it to Hong Kong, China, and then let's overlay the Hang Seng Cash Index on top. And look at that. At 12 noon Hong Kong, or Hong Kong Cash Equity AM session close, there is a drop in the Hang Seng Index, and that took the NDX down with it. And then you get a PM session recovery back to cash open levels on the Hang Seng. And that market on close buy momentum into Hong Kong Cash Close at 4 p.m., that had uplifted NASDAQ futures alongside it. 
In fact, it caused a nearly 1% runaway spike on NDX futures on escalating volume within the last 10 minutes of the Hong Kong PM session. Okay? So, that's what happened. Why the sell-off? Japan equities in the AM session sell-off. Why the rebound and blow-off top? Hong Kong PM session recovery and market on close. So that's what happened to the NASDAQ 100 index futures overnight for those who are not in my time zone. Completely driven by and blindly following what Japan and Hong Kong and China markets are doing. Okay? So then the next obvious question is, well, what's driving Japan and Hong Kong markets then that's therefore driving the NASDAQ? That's why the Market Depth Podcast exists. So let's talk two currency pairs that are on the respective brinks of being saved or getting hammered. These are separate matters, but they're coinciding in timing, and therefore they affect one another. Um, And these would be the two worst currencies against the dollar year to date, and that would be the Japanese yen and the Chinese yuan. All right, so let's just talk about yen first. So normally, as you know, we look at nominal yield spreads or real yield spreads for dollar-yen price action, you know, explanations. But after the July Bank of Japan meeting, that basically threw a bucket of, you know, used mop water all over that whole mechanism. It's basically been, you know, just a complete useless mess, Um, although it's now normalizing back to kind of yield spreads, um, if not normalized by now, for now. Because remember, JGB yields are extremely unpredictable in yield curve control control the current era that we're in, the new era. And the Bank of Japan and markets are still in the very early innings of price agreement or price discovery procedural agreement hatching out processes to determine if a particular JGB at a particular level is a buy or a sell or a buy it all or a sell it all, right? So with regards to the yen for today's commentary, I'm just going to show you two angles that I don't really discuss much but are currently relevant in terms of price action. First one is crude oil, crude oil and yen. Now I do mention this sometimes, you know, again, I just talk about like when they, when crude and the yen correlate, they really correlate even if it's temporary. And obviously it's always always temporary, nothing's permanent. And by correlate, I, I mean just to the upside. It's never really to the downside for crude versus dollar yen. But this chart is basically from the end of last week when dollar yen really started pushing ever closer to this like 145 where we hit earlier. That like push towards the end of the week, that was truly an energy rally push on dollar yen up, you know, or dollar up and yen down. And this particular correlation of dollar yen and, you know, and, and energy prices, it's this isn't the usual like kind of independent and coincidental phenomenon that I talk about, right? Because this can be literal direct flow related from like a commercial trading sense, particularly when market participants who aren't in the producer importer game, you know, when those people like me, I suppose, aren't in their offices speculating on futures solely for like financial zero intention to deliver nor take delivery of barrels of crude oil or LNG or gasoline or whatever. When people like us are basically quote out because it's summer or whatever, and the trading volume is lighter from the speculator community, and you get day-to-day import demand activity from you know an import-dependent DM like Japan going through an extremely hot summer currently, then you're literally seeing yen convert to dollars to buy energy priced in dollars, energy imports priced in dollars, thereby pushing both energy prices up and dollars up. And yes, I'm aware of the Australian strikes. This chart actually predates that, but... This is a factor for the dollar yen upside at the moment. It's not the factor, but
but it's a factor to point out just to give a heads up on small of a price contributor as it may be okay second thing i want to check in on was to see if the short yen trade was still an expression of a fed trade and you know a pure fed trade in which like the assumption is that the boj is just still a static policy standstill central bank and the fed is a relatively policy you know diverging leg of the policy trade and so therefore you short the yen if your view is for a hawkish fed and vice versa and it seems to be that it's pretty much back to being intact for the moment that short yen being a fed play um as you can see here okay because these are yen futures versus three months september 2024 sofer futures which is basically like fed funds futures equivalent and so when sofer futures are selling off in direction moving downwards as you see here those are fomc rate hikes being priced in and when silver futures are directionally rallying, okay, that's FOMC rate cuts or existing rate hike expectations being removed. And as you can see, it's pretty well correlated with the yen in the near term. These are June 2024 expiry silver futures, okay? And here's yen futures versus the same September 24s. Again, this is on a longer term price chart. And you can see that mid-July, you know, this yen forced short cover on, like, weaker than expected non-farm payrolls that one Friday that I discussed. And that yen divergence, you know, at the end of July, start of August, that's yen moving to the Bank of Japan, obviously, um, and thereby going rogue. Um, but not entirely so, right? The further out in expert you go with these, like, sofa futures that are tracking kind of, you know, Fed policy... The more that the price action on sofa futures reflect even even just a hint, even just a bit of Bank of Japan within Fed policy, or so the market price action, as you can see, would suggest. So see that late July to early August price action in these sofa futures, they kind of move alongside yen price action, right? There's no reason for the front end of the U.S. rates curve to move at all directionally with the yen on a Bank of Japan shock, policy shock, unless markets are indeed reflecting this notion that perhaps major central bank policies, especially that of the Bank of Japan perceived to be removing accommodation, might have some bit of impact on other major central bank policies. And if you think that's like a very nonsense notion, then A, you're probably likely American, and B, look at this. This is December 2023, so for futures closer in date in expiry than the previous june and september 2024 that i show you and you can see that june 2023 fomc policy is just going to be unmoved by what the bank of japan did in, in july no impact basically as reflected here okay that's the policy futures contracts that are not bank of japan impacted the, the near term fomc meeting december 2023 but if you go out to 24, June 24, September 24, yeah, they start to get impacted. All right. So the fact that these are behaving in this manner, that would suggest that further out, like over a year or so in FOMC policy, that has some Bank of Japan factored into it. What the particular view itself is, I don't care. I'm just showing you that traders are playing central bank policies as relatives to one another as well, as reflected by these two instruments, shorting the yen, short sulfur futures. These are interconnected major global economies 
And of course, major central banks don't live in isolation, hence markets moving like so. All right. So here is spot dollar yen, which breached that 145 level earlier. Why does that level matter? 145.91, that's where the Japan Ministry of Finance took unilateral direct foreign exchange market intervention measures on September uh, 22nd. Basically smacked dollar yen down from 146 to around like, what, 138 or something in an instant. This is like 10 minutes after the September Bank of Japan Kuroda's press conference in which he was policy unchanged on yield curve control. Um, and so we're currently back to that 145 handle. Um, though we aren't getting a single word out of the Ministry of Finance thus far. Kind of strange. So that smacking of dollar yen down, simultaneously state interventionist support of both the JGB market and the currency market, you know, printing yen to buy yen. Well, that didn't last very long, as you can see. U.S. yields continue to surge higher. Yield curve control, uh, meanwhile, had capped JGB yields. And so on October of 2022, Japan Ministry of Finance unilateral intervention number two of two. Dollar yen easily sliced into that 150 handle upwards. And so the Ministry of Finance just sold something like 30 billion USD before dollar yen, spot dollar yen reached 152. And that time, U.S. yields topped as well and then began this massive exodus short covering as well as active buying. That's why they need to defend the yen, and that's why they need to do it here, okay? People say it's not the price level itself. It's the velocity of the move. I agree with the velocity of the, you know, the velocity of the move matters, but the price level definitely matters as well, okay? And, and for no other reason than just pure market, you know, basic market technicals, okay? Because... Here's dollar yen. Long term, this is going back decades. This is where the Ministry of Finance kept dollar yen last October at 152. Because 152 is a level that's already broken above the 1998, like three decade highs. If you if you basically break that, now the new highs would be dollar yen 160 back in from 1990. And then do you know what's next after 160? dollar yen 260 so not that i think that they think that it would be like next stop 260 but let's not even find out how far we can get you know to what what the point is right just remember how crazy of a move this was in 2022 with dollar yen single digit vol currency pair on a runaway momentum started in the first quarter of 2022 range bound at 115 then in eight months dollar yen went from 115 to 152 Okay, so if left unchecked, yeah, of course, like dollar yen 200 by year end, that was in sight. So that brings us to the here and now, okay? What's my view on yen intervention? First of all, I'm very wary of these two prior yen intervened trigger levels, but that's exactly what conduct the Ministry of Finance had implemented into our collective market heads. He planted that, that fear. I know, and it's working on me. Um, but I also don't think that they'll be acting upon those exact same levels if they were smart, as in smart within the context of doing incredibly stupid things like getting involved with currency battling in the first place. But if they were at all smart, they would take the current Bank of Japan approach, right? There's no specific price level to, to defend on dollar yen. Those goalposts are always moving, and we market participants shall never know where and when they'll act until it's being done in real time. So, 
Ministry of Finance shrouds itself in mystery, right? Dollar yen keeps rallying. They'll do another shock intervention, but maybe at a to- you know at a totally different price level. Perhaps at- they'll do it in two rounds, right? One at like some new high, say like one fifty six or whatever, and then they'll do a follow up far lower, just to confuse people, right? Maybe they'll even do it at the next uptick after blasting spot dollar yen down five big figures in twenty minutes for another five big figures down. Right or just some, whatever it is, something just completely whatever it is, it needs to be random and unpredictable, and implant that into markets' heads, such that markets are always an, just confused and afraid. But here's my real current assessment, I suppose, of a weak yen and FX management by Japan officials. Okay, so the moment that the Bank of Japan rookie governor Ueda made a, an honest but not good decision to say out loud at the last Bank of, Bank of Japan press conference that the BOJ watches yen volatility, which again is honest, but that was not a smart move. Because in that moment, the moment that that came out of his mouth, now market participants are looking at the Bank of Japan as currency watchers and potentially currency defenders as well with their policy. Alongside, if not for the moment, in place of JGB yield defending. Meaning, if dollar yen gets to what market participants feel it would be intervention levels, it might be perceived that the Bank of Japan will be the body to fix yen higher or dollar yen lower by making a yield curve control tweak. Okay, Whether or not that actually is the case is irrelevant. It doesn't matter what you or I think about that being stupid or not. What matters is if enough market participants believe that that might be the new regime um, after that comment and certainly there is talk of that okay so those are my kind of you know latest like intervention thoughts now that we're at dollar yen 145 okay now on to the other asia currency that's getting crushed at the moment that would be yuan dollar cnh all right seven point 375 on offshore dollar yuan is the level that must be held firm by the PBOC. That's last year's highs because if that level is broken, then we are now looking at dollar yuan levels not seen since 2007, and that would be a major problem. Um, followers of market depth are very well aware of what I've been discussing regarding China and their maintaining of yuan stability, or rather, they're keeping the yuan from breaking new lows in the, in the immediate, you know, kind of all hands on deck economic policy priority it's the reason for an entire central bank leadership reshuffle right it is a primary reason for why they are not unleashing the massive stimulus that the pboc has done before can do again if they so choose to they are not choosing to this is the reason as i explained you know in a previous episode this concept of like how um you know emerging markets with dollar denominated debt getting killed by a strong dollar right just that general concept the conceptual explanation being like, if you're a foreign entity, if you borrow USD, you effectively have a short dollar position open and a position that needs to be closed at some point, right? And so in the meantime, if the dollar rises, that's very bad for your short position, just like any other short position. And it gets ever more expensive for you to close out your position. And if the dollar really rises, then it could get even to the point where just like, 
just like any short position, you have unlimited potential losses, right? Or at least losses that far exceed your ability to close out your short dollar trade. So that's how that conceptually works. And so Chinese entities currently, you know, have what, like tens of billions in various dollar denominated debt outstanding facing maturity soon, okay? Tens of billions that have that have shorted the dollar effectively. And so if the dollar, if dollar yuan breaks above that 7.375 level and to 15, you know, new 15 year highs, effectively what that means is that in a very oversimplified way, anyone who in China who issued USD bonds or borrowed USD in the last 15 years has to cover their short dollar position higher than where they opened it. Okay. That's what's keeping the yuan from teetering off the cliff um, as the immediate urgent priority. So that's why you just saw another 600 pip higher than expected yuan fix earlier this morning. And yet that's not even working anymore because dollar yuan is now broken above seven, uh, seven and a quarter. Um, recall they did a 600 pips stronger move just recently and, and garnered success in doing so um, in yuan strengthening, temporary as it was. But for now, PBOC's midpoint fixing for today was done over 600 pips higher and yet dollar yuan moves higher nonetheless, ever close to that 15-year high. Here's yet another tool in their yuan arsenal. Apparently, they're having commercial banks reveal details of who's selling Forex, you know, selling yuan. Now, as far as this particular article cited by, quote, people familiar with the matter who asked not to be named, you know, they're not authorized to discuss this matter publicly. Yeah, so I think this is clearly the, the Chinese officials themselves. And not some like forex anonymous like a whistleblower. Why would anyone leak this to the press and risk God knows what, right? Because Chinese regulators they know who they're probing for FX activity, and so if you get caught leaking this, you're going to what tragically slip on a banana peel or something, right? What's the upside for in telling Bloomberg this? Heads up, fellow market participants, like the officials have their hands all over the yuan. No, nobody would do that, okay? And this is the type of article that Chinese currency officials tasked with keeping the yuan stable would love. This is a deterrent. Like, you think that they're angry that this is, like, out there? Like, even if it weren't them directly, which it most certainly is, but even if not, if this intimidation measure is effective, you might see the yuan stabilize temporarily. If that's the case, just know that markets are not no longer trying to sell yuan for USD anymore suddenly. All right, so this is how Asia markets are moving the NASDAQ, okay? How they have been, how they currently are, and how they will likely continue to in the immediate term and to the downside at that, i.e. this August month-to-date drop in indices. Yes, that's, that's due to China, okay? But before the current China-led NASDAQ downside, let me first remind you of how the NASDAQ 100 index rallied from mid-April, um, as it is, um, and that would be due to Japan. Japan drove the upside on NDX. China is now pulling down the NDX, okay? But first, let's see what happened with the Nikkei index in Japan versus the NDX futures correlation, especially right here during this period. This is NDX upside breakout lift thanks to foreign capital breaking the Nikkei above the key 30,000 uh, level ceiling. Okay, 
Now, I put out, I put this out on Twitter recently, so this is not like up to like the latest data. So therefore, follow me on Twitter at across the spread. But top chart, that's Nikkei futures and that's Nasdaq futures, and Nikkei futures trading volume. Bottom half is Japan stock market investment by foreigners weekly net buy or sell data for which I said U.S. traders watch Japan for NDX directional cues, right? Because the Nasdaq's like sudden 15% upside from like May through July, that began and moved in lockstep with the Nikkei and the topics indices in Japan breaking out to three decade highs. It starts with Warren Buffett endorsement of Japan equities. You know, then you start getting uh, foreign investment inflows, consecutive weeks, again and again and again. Nikkei breaks out to 30,000, finally through that ceiling that it was having such a hard time struggling. 12 straight weeks of foreign net inflows, right? So either way, what I was just saying is that note that the year-to-date massive, you know, best performer uh, in, in equity markets is Japan, but it's done with capital it's done with u.s capital really right that's why i was saying that the nikkei and the topics they might as well be like u.s indices and their downside that began on july 4th when the u.s was absent that's not really coincidental at all you also have earnings season that's underway you know short-term upside is a well-priced in and now there's going to in my view be just be rapid profit taking i'm not in my view it's been happening if you reported strong earnings thanks to weekend you're telling markets that your earnings driver has just is at its peak right now and so that's going to lead to profit taking all right but i want to focus on one particular time you know point in time here okay and that would be here this is the point where 12 straight straight weeks of inflows to Japan equities finally stopped just for a week, right? But it was enough because that was the top in the Nikkei index. And from that point forward to current, that was the top for the Nikkei, okay? And by the way, no, the NASDAQ is not a major index. It's, it's a sector index. So therefore, it doesn't count amongst the major indices like the DAX or the Euro, like Eurostocks, Cosby, whatever, okay? Okay, so this boxed area here this is where the nikkei took over the nasdaq 100 which blindly followed the nikkei's breakout up to the upside you know to 30 year highs tick for tick tick for tick ndx had no reason to do this okay nor did japan really for that matter other than you know getting the warren buffett endorsement but maybe that's why they're correlated in that time because they both don't deserve to be up here either way what that is in the Nikkei index that's pushing it to these, you know, these like very high levels, that is foreign capital. Like I said, much of it is American capital that's pushing the Nikkei up, up, and up. And that's also the same kind of capital that's, you know, going long five U.S. mega cap tech stocks. Meaning, as I've explained numerous times before, Japan is not only where the U.S. and foreign international equity managers' active capital is, and not only, therefore, where the market driving is happening, but Japan is also where the market breadth is, okay? If you're wondering where the U.S. market breadth went, it went to Japan, 
alongside the Capitol. And if you don't believe me, why don't you go ask Stan Druckenmiller about current Japan equity market breadth relative to the United States or just standalone? Okay. Um, all right. So the Nikkei and the Nasdaq uh, 100, they're percent for percent, tick for tick, 15% upside during that time until the end of June, right? But that moment, that end of June moment, that's key. Okay, so let's dive into that moment because that's when the Nikkei tops. And if similar dynamics are playing out, as you'll see, we might have the, the NDX top in as well. And just continued downside that started from the beginning of August for the near term, at the very least. All right, first of all, let's see what else is correlated then and what else topped at that moment. And how about the yen carry trade as represented by... The Aussie yen carry trade. And I explained this previously in market depth as well, so I'm not going to do that now. All I'll point out is do you know when the Aussie yen peaked? Same time that the Nikkei did, back half of June, as you can see here. Okay. So let's just look from this peak moment forward to current. Okay. What happened after this Nikkei peak um, and Aussie yen peak and so on? Well, first of all, as you can see, NDX didn't peak. But the upside momentum, first of all, right at that spot, that obviously hit a brick wall for a, for a month because it's glued to the Nikkei price action. This is why you need to be paying attention to market depth. Either way, um, after this point, right, that's when that tight correlation begins to unravel, okay? And so that's when the upside story of the NDX for 2023 kind of ends, okay? But the upside story is due to Japan. Now... Let's now talk about the, what the downside story is, and that is China, and that is unfolding right now as we speak. So, same chart of NDX, of the Nikkei, and I've also added Hang Seng futures as well. And that mid to late June peak moment, that happened alongside a sudden flash rally in Hang Seng that turned into an immediately back down rally and crash, right? And it plunged and gave up its gains. But that spike, that stopped three months of straight risk-on momentum in both those indices. Same chart, zoomed out, U.S., Japan, Hong Kong equity indices. And now I'm going to add dollar yuan on top. Um, and this is an inverse chart. It's dollar yuan inverse. Okay. So notice dollar yuan and the Hang Seng, they move in absolute lockstep for the first two thirds of the chart. And by the way, going way back before this chart as well, okay? They're locked in tightly together, the yellow and the red, the Hang Seng and dollar yuan inverse. That is until here. This is rather strange. The Hang Seng index just splits off from the yuan. The, the yuan that continues to you know, crash. The Hang Seng, however, just does this series of like sharp temporary rallies and falls, right? but directionally just split apart, apart from the yuan. And it's in this period, this sort of rogue like Hang Seng rallying period, that that first spike and reversal top that was put into the, the Nikkei and the Nasdaq and Aussie Yen and all that, when the Hang Seng wasn't being accompanied by the yuan and the yuan just stayed the course downward, it would have these momentary breakaways to the upside, the Hang Seng, but it always gravitated back to the direction of the currency, which was downwards. And when it did that, it took down DM risk assets and indices in doing so. Now, 
In a previous episode of Market Depth, I explained how and why the Chinese Yuan can correlate in price action with various, various kinds of asset classes and markets. And I explained how in 2022, in the year of 2022, there would be times where the U.S. equity market would plunge. And that would have absolutely nothing to do with the yuan or anything China-related, as evident by U.S. equities falling and dollar-yuan standing still, as per these, these arrows. And then there were also instances in which U.S. equities would sell off precisely due to the yuan and China, as both plummet in tandem. In fact, the yuan had sold off in a significant material, directional way on two separate occasions in the year 2022 and then once again one more in the start of 2023 um and but otherwise the currency has been more or less flat right but for each and every one of these these instances and where the yuan would just go on a prolonged downside sell-off leg every single time it did that it took the u.s equity markets down with it the u.s equity markets were never immune from one of these sharp, decisive yuan downside sell-offs. Again, sometimes markets sell off on their own that have nothing to do with China or the yuan, and sometimes it has everything to do with China and the yuan. And I got some news for you. Currently, this is one of those times, okay? Now, it's kind of hard to visualize if you look at kind of a year-to-date chart, but if we zoom in to the july to august period like this yeah the current sharp downside in nasdaq from the start of august to current that is china and yuan driven just just look at the chart okay in fact if i add back the nikkei index with this chart ndx is no longer loyal to the nikkei as you can see in price action NDX follows the Nikkei to the upside, but we're now in downside times. And so the downside belongs to Yuan downside for price action mirroring. Look at the most recent few days, okay? The Nikkei is on its own, but NDX is just glued to that Yuan plummet. So back to this, okay? That mid-June spike in the Hang Seng, as mentioned, that put the top in Nikkei and certainly appears that at the end of July spike in Hang Seng, seems that that put the top in the NASDAQ. At least that is my current call. So let's break down what's behind the NASDAQ. Um, or, I'm sorry, let's break down what's behind the Hang Seng flow for the most recent spike and crash that potentially topped NDX, as I'm calling for. Here's the flow data of China A shares Stock Connect. Okay, this is basically flows into and out of mainland China. Note, that on July 24th. That's the Politburo meeting day, and you get outflow, right? But then that's followed by the next day by a huge surge of 18 billion yuan the next day of inflows into um, into Chinese stocks, and that then basically net inflows every single day until the end of the month. And this was not just short covering, this was new longs. This is foreigners that are rushing in, right? They believe the Chinese Communist Party's soothing words and promises, not realizing that there is no stimulus coming, material stimulus, because currency stabilization is the only thing that matters right now, okay? Uh, but nonetheless, the Hang Seng rallies sharply, just like in June, um, catalyzed by what they wanted to imagine that they heard of out of the Politburo 
meetings and meeting leaks or whatever. And here are the hedge funds that tried to short China that got chopped up. It's just something I've always said as well that I don't do. I don't touch Chinese equities in either direction for this exact reason, okay? But look, fastest hedge fund degrossing since 2021. Jesus. Okay? So that's what happened. And then this happened. And now hedge funds who went long, they got to enjoy like a week or two of their gains, and now they're getting crushed. Seriously, it's like pathetic. This is like FOMO retail trading behavior. This is China hedge funds that are liquidating. And if you look at this, this is amusing. The smallest funds in their AUM, they actually have the best returns because they're not institutionalized and they're more nimble. And so down goes the NASDAQ with the China downside. All right. And look here, I've even superimposed that daily stock connect, you know, net flow chart. You can see cap capital in price up, capital out price down. All right. So again, in June, the Hang Seng breaks away from the Yuan directionally and rallies alongside the Nikkei index, which has been uplifting the NASDAQ. The Hang Seng has a sharp reversal down subsequently and that puts the top into the nikkei index this is an incredible year-to-day rally as well as in things like aussie yen um, as well as stopping ndx momentum dead in its tracks then in late july the hang Seng strikes again this time coming for ndx we get hang Seng rally on ccp policy promises and words and promises that don't do anything for green and red blinking tickers and as per the immediate reversal yet again, selling off, and that put the top in for NDX, or so goes my view and observations and analysis. So watch the Chinese currency and Japanese stock markets. The United States stock market does not drive itself in 2023. Upside has been driven out of Japan Downside is now being driven by China. And if you need help or insights as to what's moving markets out of Asia, well, that's what I'm here for with market depth. All right. So that is it for me. Like I say this every time, but look, if you did find any value out of any of this work, please hit the like button. Okay. Because it really helps us. And if you're not subscribed to Blogworks Macro, I have no idea why you're not. But perhaps it's not a bad idea to do so and get some perspective from this side of the world. For the rest of you, thank you as always, and on behalf of Blockworks Macro, my name is Weston Nakamura. We will see you again. Thank you, bye.